and welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today we are going to have one of our favorite guests on Kabbalah here at A Better World, Joseph Mark Cohen. Joseph Mark has been a guest on A Better World TV numerous times, and again recently during his visit to New York City. And we're very pleased to have him on radio, finally. And uh, Joseph Mark is really a leader in thinking, creative thinking, around the Kabbalah. He is the founder of the Tree of Life School. His entire astrology is based on uh, the Kabbalistic thought process and understanding. And he has been practicing Kabbalistic astrology for over 30 years. He has been influenced by many leaders in the field of astrology, as well as in Judaica. He brings a lot of innovative thinking to the subject of Hebraic, Jewish, and ancient teachings altogether, having to do with the power of sound. He brings people to sacred sites across the planet, and Joseph Mark has just been known uh, in so many circles for the work he's been doing in bringing the Kabbalah to life and keeping it alive in really very thoughtful ways, some of which are through his audio seminars, some of which is through his epic poetry and writing, which is really quite phenomenal. So, without further ado, we'll be speaking about the Kabbalah. So many people know about it uh, in general. Some people, of course, know about it as far as a scholarly level, some through practice. But overall, it's not as well known as it may be, and as a result, it's not in uh, facilitating growth as much as it could be. So, that's why we wanted to have Joseph Mark on today to help us get a greater understanding of Kabbalistic teachings. Joseph Mark, shalom, shalom. Welcome to A Better World. Shalom, Mitchell J. It's Joseph Mark here. Um, how about, um, before we do question and answer and stuff, I'll give a little poem for today's sun position. Last night we had a full moon. It's a powerful Beautiful. full moon powerful full moon with sun at about four degrees Scorpio, moon at about four degrees Taurus. Here's the degree uh, from the uh, the epic poem Aleph 2160 for today. It's apropos. In the yeah. beginning, in the beginning is the wind vibrating within the breath. All things begin to dance. Within the dance, each form emits a tone. Each sonic signal emanating harmonics, each one a microtron dipped in the well of Hanoch, each tone begins to spin in the beginning as the wind. So, obviously, in this particular degree of the poem comes the word ruach, which is wind, space, spirit, all of it, as in ruach. Yes. So, it's a very um, fundamental. Uh, day energetically because of the power of the six signs, the sun coming up to the uh, what in Britain would be celebrated as uh, you know well, not exactly Halloween but All Souls Days, All Saints Day. That so it's it's a powerful Scorpio energy with the moon in Taurus, which is Buddhist almost and stabilizing of that. 
Now that mm. was just the begin. That was just the beginning, but you can go where we want to go. Yeah, very powerful beginning. Now you wrote that, and that is part of. Well, you know, I think that on some level I scribed it, and Spirit wrote it. Uh, the book is called Aleph Twenty One Sixty, a Zodiac Oracle. I was not happy at all with what nor with the regular astrologers are using for degree symbols, which they call the Sabian symbols, which is just a group of very trite and pop symbols that popped out of the psychic in a park forty years ago. Uh, and uh, Dane Rudyard, who is my teacher, one of my teachers in astrology, got the commission from uh, Mark Edmund Jones, I think, to uh, to make that more, um, how to say it, to give it a format. And Rudyard did a great job with that, but the symbols are so trite. And I wanted something that was really based in, um, well... Abulafian Hebrew Kabbalah. So okay. I just kept let's, keeping let's a, keeping a, a record back of here. Sumatra. Yeah. Joseph Mark, let's take a step back to not go down that rabbit hole right now. It's okay. too specific. Uh, okay. I'd rather have a more uh, larger picture to start with of Kabbalistic teachings, even a touch well, of history, if you would, sure. and then zero well, in on its its intent, purpose, purpose, and essence. Okay, well, you have different schools of Kabbalah that arose in different centuries that were headed by various rabbis and, and visionaries, and each school touched on a different aspect. So the one that's become the most popular is the Tree of Life, and that's uh, uh, Cordovero, and then in our time, uh, Ziv Shimon Levi brought it out, but he wedded it to uh, Gurdjieffian work and Jungian work, so he made it very popular and available. Well, that's much book. more in the 20th century. I'm talking that's, a little bit more historically. Well, Cordovero, what have we seen? Centuries before that, but you know, Kabbalah goes back to Abraham and what he got, and mm-hmm. then you have the book, the book, the Sefer Yetzirah, which is something that I've studied because it's about astrology with 12 Hebrew letters uh, being important for the signs of the Zodiac. Mm-hmm. The three mother letters, Aleph, Mem, and Shin, being air, um, air, water, and fire. So that's the core of Kabbalah in the Sefer Yetzirah. But every rabbi and every mystic and every channel took a different aspect of it and amplified it and eventually made a whole school out of it. So there's a school of, you know, how to how to connect to spirit guides and what is called the Magid, the inner guide. And there's a whole other school about how to work with uh, dreams and visualization and another school that works with, uh, oh, just pure number and gematria, which is, I'm, which is what I'm very fond of. And Abu Lafia brought mm-hmm. that one in. So it's... You, you know, there's very little that isn't touched on. Color, sound... So, in other words, uh, it's really, talk about trees, it's sort of like uh, the trunk from which are a number of different limbs. Then, absolutely. from that point of view, what? where does the Zohar fit into that, uh, that well, treeness? Well, you know, the Zohar is a big compilation of what you could call Midrash, and it's really hard to say, you know, that it's attributed to, to Shimon Bar Yochai and the man who uh, concorded it, 
Moshe de Leon in France. He um, he in approximately together, what year? I think it's in the 1600s. He sewed okay. together a lot of extant things that were from different sources, and then he added his own. Mm-hmm. So it's a big uh, in Hebrew. It's called a big balagan, you know, and. Uh, then now in the 20th century, a Berg, who is the most popular and sort of gave red, red string to Madonna and all of that, he uses a beautiful Sephardi prayer book by one of my favorites, Shalom Harabi. Harabi um, I've got to pronounce his last name a little better. But he, this was a Yemenite rabbi who was really interested in song and cantillation and would stop at every important word and turn it into music. So he did a good thing there. And then he went around, you know, telling people that they could just scan the Zohar and selling them to them for $500. And telling them, yeah, it's so powerful you can just run your hand over and get an energy. So he, he, he turned it into a form of magic on that level. And uh, the Zohar, you well, know, I would have say, a couple. Uh, let me add, I'd say commercial magic on that yes, level. Exactly. It was. Yes. I don't think I've ever seen um, the Zohar or uh, Kabbalah um, being hawked on the street corners of New York City, which when Rabbi Berg was gaining in popularity, that was happening. And I've got to say, um, while I believe all the world is sacred and profane is a bizarre concept until that moment, and I think I understood <laughs> something about profane. <laughs> yeah, there so, was a destiny. There was a destiny to it. He put the word Zohar on the map. There's a friend of mine in Jewish renewal, Danny Matt, and he spent like 20, 25 years to do a new translation. And I have like a little volume from a scholar in Israel translated yes. into English is what I use, you know, so it's and it's a big three volume thing. So yes. it's it the Zohar is so rooted in the language and it's so difficult to translate. I guess Berg decided that uh, I don't know what he decided, but there was another one by Shock and Press years ago that I had in London and it's it's like going into the dream state, going into the Zohar, and many and very few Jewish people even have the reference point for understanding what's in it. Period. Well, that's part of what I wanted to discuss with you here on A Better World. So we can understand, and you've outlined it really lovely uh, in a lovely way, which is that uh, you cannot just refer to the Kabbalah as one centralized teaching. It has many limbs and different people have developed different aspects of life itself, which uh, is so what we see is one group developing the dream space of Kabbalah and the uh, application of its fundamental teachings there. Others having to do, as you said, the Magid, developing the inner teacher, the inner guide. Others with Gematria, meaning, of course, the uh, attribution of number, quantity, and quality to each letter, which is intrinsic to the Hebrew language. I mean, this is beautiful. So what we have is we see that there are three, four, five, perhaps six different branches, I don't know. And 
Could you outline the one that you yourself feel most affinity with so we can understand now some of the, the substance and the essence of this teaching? Sure. I began, I had a Kabbalah teacher about 40 years ago, and I've just written a novel, which isn't published yet, about her work. I know. And that is exciting for people because, you know, it's it was a feminine being bringing that through. And yes. uh, the beginning for Kabbalah there was a small, tiny little book called The Cipher of Genesis for her, where Carlos Suarez, who was a French Kabbalist and painter, lived in Alexandria with some of the artists there, René Guinot. He wrote a book about the letters and the meaning the of reign the of letters. The that's right. And the letters, yeah. the letters as physics concepts, as psychology, and very, very rich. And not only that, he even looked at the New Testament and saw Yeshua, or the one they call Jesus in America, as a Kabbalist doing some magic with the letters in prayer and in healing and this and that. So each of those Hebrew letters is a full-on physics concept one could say. Mm -hmm. And then a word... Just like, you know, you're reminding me uh, of the gentleman up in Boston who... God, I'm oh, Santanen? Yes, yeah. Santanen, exactly. Yes, it well, like Santanen took an aspect of that, train. and he, he felt that he could see it in, in, in you know, in three dimensions kind of script, working with the hands, and he has a good grasp of physics, too. Kabbalah, by the way, has a gematria. It's the Gematria 137, which is Planck's fine, uh, fine constant in physics, yeah? Max Planck's, yeah. So, uh -huh. Yeah. So, but Kabbalah means what we receive. So you mm -hmm. have to have an, op an open... It has a, you have to yes. have an open channel through your chakra grid, we'll call it, and through mm -hmm. open crown chakra as a satellite dish, and an open heart chakra in terms of purity... To, and a good grounding in the soles of the feet and the connection to the earth energy to receive the, you know, the infinite levels of Kabbalah. So it's a training in, in psychological, biophysical, and uh, lucid dreaming, one could say. And then the dreams and those in, that information can pour in and you can receive as much as you can receive but you have yes. to be grounded, and you have to have a good sense of humor, and you have to be able to, <laughs> to discern. Oh, so that's where Jewish humor comes from. You know, you I don't know. This me. Jewish humor comes from different places. You know, the whole Ashkenazi Jewish humor comes from angst and dealing with and being in ghettos and being ostracized yes, and so. So it's a very. Uh, but you're reminding me of another important aspect of. Uh, the Kabbalah as it interfaces with life uh, mm -hmm. outside of its own metaphysical construct, which is that traditionally the only people who would qualify for being uh, students of Kabbalah were people that were over 40 who had already been married, had children, lived a life, engaged in the marketplace with uh, or scholarship, what have, what have you, but the point being they were engaged in the troubles and the turmoils and the tumult of life that they've tasted, the stuff of the earth, so they were prepared, the soil was prepared for their higher level learning. 
Is that so? That's that. That's that's beautiful because that's what you call a grounded mystic, meaning that they're in there the market, go. they're with life, they know human that's psychology, right. they can do relationship counseling, and they can open <laughs> up the satellite dish to yeah. spirit. You know, <laughs> who are you one of my Joseph Mark? Pardon? One of my favorite Kabbalist friends, and I call him a friend, is a man named Samuel Apatow, and he's a mime artist. And he trained with Marcel Marceau and Jean Cocteau mm. in, the, in France. Oh. And Samuel is like my version of Abelafian this day. And he teaches mime. Now, how, oh. does he do, how do you teach mime? You teach people that they can see what's going on psychologically from the actions of the physical body. Movements, attitude, postures. You know, exactly. and he did Gurdjieffian work with, you know, a stop technique and have three people mm-hmm. make a word. So it's like mime <laughs> can go, you know, you can go from the deep intricacies of sound healing in Kabbalah in terms of the vibration yes. of sound from language all the way to mime. It covers the full spectrum. Yes, yes, yes. And but the Kabbalists. At this in, point, if you would. Walk us through the Sefirot. I know we did this on A Better World TV recently, but that are these are the the foundational blocks, the pillars, if you will, of Kabbalistic teachings, no matter which limb it is we may be focused on. Okay, and I'm going to do this in an astrological way. Be interesting. Okay. The, the, sure. the tree of life, the crown chakra, we're going to start at the top and come down, is uh, ruled by Neptune. And Neptune is uh, etheric, metaphysical, and it's what you receive from other worlds. Presently, Neptune's at seven degrees of Pisces. So there's a lot on this planet right now uh, that has to do with water. Now, I believe... Uh, through the channeling that I've heard and and this and that, that the whales and the dolphins are listening in on the music of creation. And Mm. unfortunately, right now, that music's a little bit um, garbled, you know, because we've got, you know, pollution in the Pacific and uh, drilling for oil in the Arctic. So that's a little, there's um, political uh, ramifications going on There's a cognitive... Oh, dolphin cognitive dissonance. Yeah, you could say that. You could say that. And there, and even in Hebrew, the word for for whale, hatanimim, I think it's a gematria, five hundred and fifty-five. It makes sense what the Australian Aboriginals say about the dolphins or the whales being the record keepers. And my friend Patricia mm-hmm. Corey amplified that out in a book, and I think in a, a movie to come. Anyways, I'll go a little mm-hmm. quicker. Off in the left hemisphere of the brain, you have the planet Bina, which is soul memory, meaning it's it's the Akashic Records part of our brain. Yeah. In the right part of the hemisphere, right hemisphere of the brain, you've got Uranus, which is the visionary, future-oriented uh, aspect of the brain. You still there? Oh, yeah. Hello? Okay, my yes. phone... There. So, uh, so uh, I'm sorry, did, did I miss something? So the second Bina could be corresponding with the left hemisphere. I that's mean, exactly it's a generic it. thing. 
Okay, and That's the right, right so being Saturn, the gestaltic visionary. Are, yeah. are in a dance between yes. uh, the past and the future, if you will. And, yes. you know, and then I look astrologically and I see that Saturn is in four degrees of Sagittarius right now. I could give you a poem on that, but Saturn is in a, in a sign which is visionary right now. So we're going to look back to inventors who've been, you know, the Leonardo da Vinci's and the scientists and see if we can bring a bit of the Renaissance back right now. Whereas Uranus is in Aries and it's gone through, uh, you know, quite a journey through Aries. It's still in around the middle of it, about 18 degrees. So Uranus is trying to find, you know, it's the governments are focusing on new military uh, things, but Uranus is bringing in the internet to weave the consciousness into, you know, I have a friend who calls it as a group of netizens rather than citizens. So Uranus is bringing in new technology, and I studied with McLuhan when I was in Toronto years ago. And really? McLuhan was saying, oh McLuhan said that every technology changes the nervous system of the human being. Mm-hmm. So here I am, you know, I'm an elder now. I'm in my 60s, and I hang out with kids in their 20s. They have no memory. For them, the Internet and Wikipedia... Was the beginning of creation. Forgive forgive them. Is their memory. (laughs) And it's it's, it's not a memory with wisdom and life experience. I'm laughing, but I'm really crying. Yeah. I understand. It's it's, it's a challenge. And yet that new technology is linking us up in a very interesting way. Indeed. But tell me, why would it have to cost us the wisdom of the ages, Joseph Mark, just to have the invention of the Internet? I I, I see a disconnect in some kind of logical, rational way. I don't think it has to be at that cost. Let's just say it's a big detour, because as soon as we get into... Mm -hmm a deep environmental problem or a deep technological problem or, or you know, a solar flare knocks out the Internet for, you know, a couple of weeks and everybody's worried about our, all of our stupid nuclear not being backed up for more than a month. And this mm-hmm. is America that I'm talking about. I sit up in Canada. It's not quite the same. I have, you know, in, I have my electricity from, uh, you know, water. Yes, uh, and I grew up in Niagara Falls, and I know about hydroelectric. I heard it as sure. a kid. You know, sure. So we are we're at a perilous time, but we're going to have to go back to certain wisdoms that were from earlier times. And one of my favorite writers, Martin Prachtel, he's working with the indigenous wisdom of cultures that go back hundreds to thousands of years. Sure. And uh, you know, and he was in Guatemala, and he, you know, so I'm. I'm what is still, the name of his most recent? Oh, his most recent work is beautiful. It's called "The Smell of Dust on uh, Rain on Dust," and it's basically Ooh. about how the power of grief in a human being, grief combined with ceremony, uh, is is absolutely critical to bringing us to be creatures who can praise that which is holy in the universe. I'm mm, just doing a quick, a quick little promo for Martin because he is my favorite writer right now. Yeah. Even Coleman Barks 
wrote on the back of <laughs> wrote something good on the back of Martine's book. Robert mm-hmm. Fly. What do you mean even? Favorite. Why would you say that? Why would you well, say even? Well, because Coleman is working with taking language and making it very short and poetic. And so it's concentration of language, whereas Martine, every sentence he writes is a beautiful, po- long, run-on poem. Like, it, you know, with yeah. about four sub-clauses, and he can do it because he's got the capacity for music and he, in his word language, and he's got the capacity of holding a number of thoughts in the air like a magician and rubbing them up against one another. You know, writing can go from one style to another, and then Coleman Barks worked to take things that were kind of dead in translation, at least old British translation, and he... I wouldn't say that about Rumi, but... No, but (laughs) Rumi wrote in Farsi, and it was initially translated into, you know, antiquarian 17th century, 18th century English, and it was pretty stale, you know? So Coleman did a great job of bringing it back, making it alive to a 20th century consciousness Indeed. and God bless and so for did doing Andrew that. Harvey. Yes, who's been a guest Andrew on our show wrote a really good times. book about Rumi's relationship to Shams Tabriz as well. I went to I, I went to Turkey when America was bombing the shit out of Baghdad and I thought mm. I better go because you know Rumi is and some of the Sufi mystics could bring Islam into a different place. I don't think yeah. Barack Obama can do that, but you yeah, know, right. Coleman Barks and a few other, and Andrew Harvey and a few people who are real sensitive to language and Rumi's message could. So yeah. we should be thankful for that. No question about it. Now let me go on here. We haven't even so made let's, it. Yes, exactly. Please move through the Sifirot, if you yeah. will. So Pluto in the physical body uh, is actually connected to the thyroid gland. So it has to do with prophecy. People don't know that who study astrology, really. And we've got Pluto right in the middle of Capricorn right now, about 14 degrees. 15 degrees is considered a critical degree in the middle of Capricorn. So Pluto is is about the death and resurrection or the reconstruction of our social reality, of our institutions. Things like money are changing right now. You know, money is going to be a cyber money for a while. You know, mm-hmm. Bitcoin was just the first wave of it. And what we value and how we exchange things uh, and whole systems that are presently in place, like the educational system and this and that, they all have to be regenerated because Pluto is about regeneration. And for about three years, we had Uranus, the planet of visioning, squaring off with Pluto. So there's a tremendous tension between what is coming in new for human culture and human beings, and the the careful dismantling of the old that no longer works, and that's mm-hmm. the message, the prophetic, the astrological prophetic message that I can give you of Pluto, and it's important. Yes, you know, and fortunately, right now we have Pluto in good aspect to a couple of planets in in uh, Virgo, Jupiter, and and um, one other one. 
So we're you know we're and we've got some um, worker bees working on it and new technology coming in and a wonderful man is attempting to give free technology to governments to get out to get us out of the oil-based economy. If you hear a click on the Which phone, man is that? I think his name is Kessel. I'll send you uh, I'll send you an email about it so that you can have okay, a look at it. Okay, please do. Okay. There are several people. There's not just one man. There are many. Yeah, but this uh, guy's actually trying to give it away. Billionaires. Yeah. That are well. Uh huh. That sounds like Tesla for crying out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not Tesla, but it's. But it's there a, maybe are. It should be Tesla. noted that for all of the things that we can say appropriately about the multimillion-dollar and billionaire class across our planet right now that are doing massive devastation to our systems and to the mass of people, uh, like literally 99% are wreaking such havoc, destroying middle classes, on and on. There are a wonderful handful of billionaires that are doing just the opposite, that are doing so much, who are... uh, very involved in social and economic justice and helping to support uh, sustainability on so many levels. So anyway, well, just wanted to add that. It's very, you know, I'm looking at this Jupiter-Mars conjunction right now yes. in Virgo trining the uh, Pluto at 14 degrees in Capricorn, and that's a good thing, but... There's like a quincunx, which is, you know, five signs, 150 degrees, between Uranus and those planets in Virgo. So it's, it's, it, a quincunx can be a positive thing in terms of designing new technology, but it can be a very mm-hmm. challenging thing in terms of socially, how do you get it out into the world? So that's, yes. that's a challenge of our time right now. Because yes. we're trying, you know, the, the birth canal. I believe was about a seven birth can, seven year birth canal, and it went from the end of the Mayan calendar, so to speak. It wasn't; it was the end of a portion of a Mayan calendar uh, at the end of 2012 to about 2019, 2020, and in this period of time, we are in the reorganization and putting in the the groundwork for a new level of society. And right now it's 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 under the skin. We're not seeing it, but it's going to start popping up like mushrooms in a you know in an autumn field yeah. here in Canada rainforest. really quickly. In a Hungarian some... rainforest. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so anyways, please go on if you would through the astrological uh, lens of the Sephirot. Yeah, absolutely. Jupiter rules Chesed in the Tree of Life. That is, you know that. That's the whole. You've got Mel- Melchizedek, the protector. The, Please the define Chesed. Chesed is compassion. So Buddhist Buddhist religion lives in Chesed. Really, mm-hmm. that's where the you know mm-hmm. compassion is their god. Really, and a good Chesed, uh, uh, Hebrew Hebrew word there, is coming out of Chesed in terms of how we broadcast from compassion, whereas the other sphere, opposite chesed, is Mars, and Mars, if you're Chinese, is like the, um, a, 
uh, adrenal gland, you know, liver, liver, gallbladder, adrenal energy, and it has to do with adrenal would be kidney, urinary, bladder. Okay. Well, uh, what I'll tell you is that Gurdjieff was the major teacher out of that particular sphere, and it has Mm -hmm. to do with self-discipline, and it has to do with energy, and it has to do with personal will rather than looking at the collective. So right now we've got Mars. um, Let me see where it is. It's at 18 degrees Virgo, which isn't a bad place for it because it's it's Virgo has to do with working with one's hands and working mm-hmm. in, working together in a group form. So so it's not a bad place at all for Mars and uh, and Jupiter is also in Virgo, and it's about two degrees away. So when you've got the conjunction of Jupiter and Mars, you've got a really positive channel between personal and collective energy. A highly expansive Martian energy. Exactly. And and Virgo wants to work collectively. So there are whole new groups of people forming collectives right now that are going to yeah. be seed energies, that are going to be bringing handiwork and technology to the world. It's a good thing. So I'm, I'm yeah, happy indeed. with that. Yeah, then it is really good. Let's go down one more level, and we'll look at Venus Please. and Mercury. Mercury is the, the uh, Venus rule. Has, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Mercury is hood, and in the tree of life, that is actually communication. Whereas Venus rules Netzach, and that's the world of the arts. It's the world of music, rhythm, the dance, all of that. So, and whereas Mercury rules more language and, and how language works. So Mercury, you know, Hod can rule writing and poetry and any kind of language, really. And it can rule aspects of technology, and it can rule the nervous system in its inner place, whereas whereas um, Netzach rules it in its capacity for rhythm, dance, music, and, and maybe it's a little bit more collective and less individual. So mm-hmm. Venus is in Libra, which is good for symmetry right now. So the arts are in you know good shape. And uh, Mercury is in Capricorn. I'm yeah. Hold on a second. I think I okay. got that wrong. I've got that wrong. Mercury is not in Capricorn. Uh-oh. Well, because I was about to ask on. you to interpret that. Okay. I'm going to have to look at my ephemeride and see exactly where Mercury is. Hold on one sec. We are speaking with uh, Joseph Mark Cohen, Rebbe at large, living up in British Columbia, was just in New York City. We did an interview for A Better World TV. You are listening to A Better World Radio on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. and sporadic other times throughout the week, such as now. Today's show will be aired again. If you do not yet receive our free A Better World newsletter, just go to www.abetterworld.net, abetterworld or .tv, same thing, and uh, tune in. 
become part of a Better World family. This is Mitchell J. Rabin. We love to have you tune in every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to A Better World TV and Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. on radio. Although, listen as you wish with the wonderful TiVo of the Internet. People, you can all turn in and tune in at any time, and most of our people do listen in archive at their leisure, whether they are doing asanas and standing on their head or in uh, Zen Sashin, sitting on their tokas, as we say in Japanese, or they are riding on a treadmill. Well, anywhere you are, even lying on your couch, we're happy to have you join us. So on that note, hey, Mitchell. Joseph Mark. I gather from what you said there that um, that the word tukas came from a Japanese roshi who sat on his uh, on his for uh, a long time uh, for a long time. Yeah, you hey, didn't look, know that uh, etymology I, apparently. I did not. So oh I'm yes, looking. a lot of Yiddish comes from Japan and China. Oh yeah. Okay. I'll tell I'm you about that another at, time. I'm looking at Mercury, <laughs> and I've got another poem for you because Mercury is actually. Mm, 21 degrees or so of Libra right now. And okay. when it goes into but Scorpio... But just be mindful that we've only got 10 more minutes, so we want to make oh, sure... Oh, it's a poem. It's only going to take a, a minute for the poem. All of the and it's stuff a good, It's a good one. Here's the poem Please. for um, the 21st degree of the Zodiac, which is where that Mercury is. This whole universe yes. poem scrolls out of empty space which means face-to-face. The king and the queen are more than medieval icons moving from station to station. What is required here is our presence, our devotion, a form of mouth-to-mouth resuscitation until who we are stands face-to-face in essence, rearranging every notion and image of self until we be, we come to know the first Aleph in our heart, in each light reflection of our soul, Koha Olam, in one letter. So that's the poem that I wrote mm. after I gathered Beautiful. a number of gematria that have the gematria 201, like Pe'el Pe'a, mm. face to face, and uh, Hamelach the Hamalka, the, the king and the queen, and Koha Olam, the all of the whole of the universe. And it took me years to gather those to create that one little micro poem. Oh my and if God, anybody wants incredible. If anybody wants the whole book which contains actually the Gematria code within it. Yeah. I've put it into an ebook now, I don't know, like it's twenty two dollars or something and it's it's right on treeoflifeschool.com ebooks. Nice. You know, because publishing Good. a book's expensive. It costs a lot of money to send it in the in the mail. So, I'm okay with people taking an ebook and reading it. And if they want a printed one, there might be a few left, but not many. So yeah. that was a okay. You know, and good. and very when good. I do Thank astrology, that. that's how I do it. You know, I work that with the, these images. I love these it. Forms, you know, so we yeah, haven't gotten to Yesod yet, which is Yesod is actually the moon. And the moon moves through a zodiac sign in two and a half days. So it's the fluctuation 
It's the most, it's the thing that changes the most. But in an astrology chart, the moon is one's, um, it gives you an image when you're born of your soul history because it's your emo- it's your inbuilt emotional memory bank. So it's kind of fascinating. I believe that people like myself, so that's Moon different and Leo, than a different kind of recording than the Akashic records of uh is it Hokma? Uh, Bina. Yeah, it is a different kind oh, Bina, of recording because it gives you your your habit patterns that you're barely aware of. You know, oh, okay. it's like like if somebody has moon in Scorpio, they probably have been daredevils in past life and even lost their life as a daredevil now and again. Mm. If somebody has moon in Libra, they probably have been an artist, a dancer, a musician in a past life. If somebody mm. has moon in Leo, there's a high per- high likelihood that they've been public a public figure and maybe have even had strong lifetime in Egypt. I've noticed mm-hmm. that because I have a number of friends who have Moon and Leo who have inheritance from Egypt. And there's a whole yes. under- misunderstanding of the Hebrew people in terms of the positive Egypt. Hello? Yes. Are you, I hear a question. Yes, yes, yes. Please, go on. Okay, there was, a, there was an energy that came out of Egypt from around Akhenaten and Nefertiti, which I believe was the real exodus. But that's a whole story, and we can't go right. Not for anymore. now. We have diminishing yeah. minutes here. Okay. But finally, they, the, ascend- uh, the ascendant yes, is Malchus, and the ascendant changes every two and a half degrees in a chart. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what the ascendant is right now, but you know. Okay. That's okay. So come that's, back that's then, the if you would, to. Way of, yeah. Exactly, but come back to. Uh, how someone could, as a final question, return to the Kabbalistic tree of life, the Sefirot, each of those virtuous uh, pillars as a ladder for their own personal development? Well, the first step is to find the tree of life within one's life in terms of one's biological and psychological and emotional and spiritual uh, centers. And then um, once that is open, then you know where your biases are and you can, you can use, the, uh, use the tree to come into balance, as it were. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we are walking. We are walking trees of of life, basically. Yes. And yes, yes. the opening up of the satellite dish that sits above our keter, our crown chakra, to mm-hmm. the influx of the energies from our higher self, our inner. You know, the Greeks called it the daemon, the the aspect of the heart. That is critical. For every single person, and it does take time, and uh, you have a few shocks that wake you up along the way. And astrology is extraordinarily important and helpful in giving someone a picture of, one, their inner dynamics, and two, how they can unfold elegantly the gifts that they have into the world. So that's why I chose astrology as my practice 
but Kabbalah is my my inner where I receive from, like that. that. Well, you are a wonderful, wonderful, deep astrologer who I have had well, the pleasure of appreciating through your reflections on me, and uh, I look forward to it again. I please give our audience your contact information so they sure. too can avail themselves of the Rebbe's wisdom. Well, look, there's a ton of stuff archived on my website. There's beautiful music by Shlomo Bar, and there's the you know promos for just for this moment. Astrology. Just give your contact treeoflifeschool.com. And uh, I also have a blog that I put out, which is earthmysteriestravel.blogspot.ca. The CA is the Canada part. So, but but treeoflifeschool.com is an archive that goes way back. Website built in the eighties, but I, I store everything there. If they want to reach me personally, Indeed. it's just my name is Joseph Mark Cohen. Joseph spelt with a PH, Mark with a K, C O H E N at Gmail dot com. And uh, if they if they really want to reach me by telephone after listening to this program, they can do it on eight 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 six three three two two one four. And I guess you put that at the bottom or something, you know. That's good. Well, this is uh, radio, not television. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> We're doing true. it at the bottom of the hour, if you will. Okay. So, Joseph Mark Cohen, thank you again for joining me here at A Better World as we our media fluctuates from video to cyberspace. I really appreciate mm-hmm. all the impact you have been that you've had and continue to have resonating in the atmosphere of Earth on its way to heaven. Thank you. My Thank pleasure, Mitchell. I used to work in radio myself. I love it. So, Very good. Thanks again. You really helped to elucidate. And I look forward to having you on again another time. My pleasure. Absolute tired. Okay, bye. Honestly, a very, very beautiful man. I've had the pleasure of knowing Joseph Mark Cohen probably since the early 90s and uh, when he was more around New York City, the Big Apple, and we had a fair amount of time to spend together. And it was always a treat because his uh, wisdom just uh, radiates from his being, along with a gentle humor. So uh, when you put those together, you've got quite a mensch. And we have that in Joseph Mark Cohen, truly. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. You can visit us at www abetterworld.tv become part of our family I love to have our community expand and it has a community that uh, transcends borders we have people in China and Japan and Australia and Africa and all over Europe and Northern Europe and South America and all parts of North America as well so uh, join us become part of the solution through higher learning on so many subjects that at this point in time we need to be apprised of and keep abreast of so we can make wise choices from our hearts, from our minds, from coherent spaces, from a space of centeredness. Please also know that uh, we are a nonprofit 501c3 so 
any uh, donation you can make. I really prefer to call it an investment in a better world because that is indeed what we are championing here. Uh, you are ensuring a better educated uh, population for the future, which God knows we so need, and you can be part of that solution by taking us into your consideration. Thanks again for joining. Uh, for me, you can reach me at mjr at abetterworld.net, mjr at abetterworld.net. I also do counseling. My background is in psychology, acupuncture, and stress management consulting, uh, communications consulting. You can go for information about those to Mitchell Rabin, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-R-A-B-I-N, as in Rabin. I also am a, an advanced practitioner of higher brain learning, and living, so you can go there for more information about that too, as well as biofeedback at this time using the life system, an advanced form of energy scanning and reading and healing. So it's all wrapped up into one. As a 501c3, our services are uh, by donation, so you are welcome to contact me. Uh, there are fees involved but they are all tax deductible. So enjoy. God bless. Thank you for joining. And take time to reflect on the wisdom of Joseph Mark Cohen in today's show. And certainly reach out to him if you're interested in a capitalistic astrological consultation. Thanks again. And here comes a touch of Mozart. I look forward to seeing you all next week. Mm -hmm. 